So, sometimes a preacher sits down to work on a sermon only to find him or herself completely convicted by the passage at hand. That's the experience I had when I began work on this week's sermon. See, I love Pope Francis. I really do. I admire his humility, his respect for other religions, and his ability to speak truth in situations where it might be all too easy to remain silent. But I also confess that no matter how much I love, love, love the Pope, I have felt ambivalent about the Pope's visit and mostly about the adoration the media has for him. No matter how much I love Pope Francis, there is this small part of me that wants to stand up and announce, yes, he's wonderful, but don't forget that despite all the talk of equality and raising up those who are cast down, he still refuses to reconsider the issue of women's ordination. Although I hate to admit it, this firm refusal to even entertain the notion of female ordination, that the door is closed mentality, well, it threatens my identity down to the very core of my being. And so I have this inevitable desire to call him out on what he's doing, on who he is. In this, I know I am no different from the disciples in today's gospel reading. Today's gospel starts off with John coming to Jesus and tattling. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Maybe in the best of scenarios, John is trying to protect Jesus' name trademarking it in a way so as to prevent it from being used in less than desirable circumstances by someone who may have questionable ethics or questionable business partners. But I think there's a lot more going on here in this passage than that. If someone else, perhaps someone with different ideas or beliefs from John and the other disciples, is casting out demons in Jesus' name, then where does that leave the disciples? After all, they've built their identity around being the inner circle of Jesus. Even worse, this someone seems to be making a bigger difference in the world than the twelve. Earlier in this very chapter, a father asks Jesus' disciples to cast an unclean spirit out of his son, and the disciples can't do it. Apparently, they forgot to pray beforehand, or so Jesus insinuates later on. I can imagine that seeing someone else now casting out demons left and right in Jesus' name when the disciples have just failed to do so, it may be more than they can take. I suspect it threatens the very core of that, their identity. Now, some biblical scholars think that Mark was actually speaking to his own Christian community when he wrote this passage. This gospel was written early in the history of the church, and Christians were still trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus. They were still finding their identity. Mark's close-knit community began to experience other communities of Christians different from themselves. 
and it threatened their understanding of what it meant to be part of the church. The only way to protect their self-understanding, Mark's community might have thought, was to doubt the understanding of the other Christians. They may have become accusatory, dismissive, and even hostile to these other groups. If Jesus had been around, I bet they would have run to him and said, Look, do you see what these people are saying and doing? Of course, in today's Gospel reading, Jesus is quick to counter the fears of John and the other disciples. Don't stop him, Jesus says. Whoever is not against us is for us. And then come all the words about cutting off the parts of yourself that cause another person to stumble. A hand or a foot or an eye. Or just tie a millstone around your neck and get thrown into the sea and be done with it. This is a passage notoriously hard to grasp. It uses such graphic images. Well, Jesus is using hyperbole here to make a point. But sometimes he uses so much hyperbole that it may make it actually harder for us to hear what he's saying. What Jesus is doing here is turning the tables on the disciples. He's saying, don't worry about what other people do. Look at yourselves. How do you get in the way of the gospel? At the heart of Jesus' words to the disciples is a reminder not to compare themselves to others, not to define themselves at the expense of others, but instead to look at how their own lives either reflect the love of God or how those lives impede God's work in the world. But there can be a problem here too if all of our time and energy is absorbed with our own performance. If turning our attention toward our own actions merely shifts that judgmental spirit towards ourselves. Usually these two things go together. A judgmental spirit or attitude towards others and a judgmental attitude toward ourselves. That's why when I haven't been absorbed this week by my ambivalence about the Pope's visit, I've been absorbed by feelings of guilt about that ambivalence. Feelings of guilt about my own petty narrowness. We're often either absorbed with judging others or absorbed with judging ourselves. We're either busy defending our identity or we're busy trying to earn it. Neither is what today's passage calls us to do, which is why I love this poem by Michael Coffey. And I've read it to you before, but I want to read it again because it's one of my favorites. It's called, About That Plucking Out the Eye Thing. (laughs) One of them came in wet with a millstone and a rope knotted around his throat, gasping for air having dragged the darn thing up from the bottom of the river where he once was baptized a while back because he had cursed at a child for high-pitched screaming. Another came in with her right hand hacked off. She was left-handed. And she dripped crimson drops all the way down the hall to Jesus' living room, admitting she had used the missing appendage to flip someone off in traffic for cutting in. One more limped in with a lopped-off foot in his hand, and he dropped to the floor sobbing because he had tripped someone in line in front of him to get a better seat at Bonnaroo this year to see Radiohead. (laughs) Then there was the disciple who had an eye patch and fumbled her way through the door, 
having glared at her next-door neighbor with a mean stare because she looked so good in that new dress and those shoes with red soles and wished she would trip and tear her ACL. (laughs) They gathered around Jesus, each face with a seriousness that puzzled the good Lord, except for the one with the plucked-out eye. It was hard to look puzzled with the patch and all. He looked at them and said, holding back an uncharacteristic chuckle, For God's sake, stop damaging yourselves. You know I was kidding, right? Have you heard of hyperbole, people? Just don't do those mean things anymore. And if you do, say you're sorry, make amends, and move on. Lift up the lowly and respect the helpless. It's just not that hard. Come on, folks, get over yourselves. You're not that bad, and you're not that good. And then they ate supper and he taught them many more things that they misunderstood. (laughs) At the end of the day, maybe I can let the Pope be the Pope, and I can be me, and you can be you, without being judgmental toward one another and without being too judgmental towards ourselves, without sweeping our differences under the carpet, and without letting those differences have the final word. Maybe we can all just get over ourselves and get on with the work God has called us to do.